0: I am unashamed. What about you? Test everything. Hold on to the good. Aboard every kind of evil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that's he, exactly you, right. So you test everything. Say, what, what did he say? I said, well, he said if we go over, you're like, no, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a, a simpler way of putting that. That is look into the mirror. Every once in a while and yep. see what's looking back, Yep, which is what you need to do. So a, a lot of, uh, which we're going to get to, um, our text in Luke 20, maybe, um,
0: <laughs>
1: it, de- it seems to depend on Jay's, but I did want to ask you one thing, dad, cause we, we started the last podcast talking about the hunt that led us down a. We hunted a whole nother...
2: Well, you've heard that saying where you chase a rabbit, which means you go off on a tangent. Yeah. I chased some wood ducks. You chased some wood ducks. Which, by which the did way... did lead to a really interesting discussion in the last... By moment. the way, nine drakes. Really? And one hen. Wood duck. Beautiful bird. The most, I would say... They were. Evidence well, So I have a duck question about that because this
1: is anecdotal. I couldn't give you an exact number, but I would say over all the years that I've hunted... And all the wood ducks we've harvested, I would say eighty plus percent of the ducks we kill are drakes, and not on purpose. It's just that's what seems to be most around. Why is that? Do you think? Because that's not the, necessarily the case with. Their, now we try to shoot mallard drakes, and you know there's kind of with the others, but we're not trying to shoot woody drakes. But why is it that? Wouldn't you say that's about right? Eighty percent probably what you kill are drakes. I've have never. you ever seen a hunt where you have ten uh woodies and eight of them are hens? Never.
2: I've never that seen. That is it. true. I've actually never thought about that.
1: Well, We kill way more drakes. There, there. That's what's Somebody flying around. They told more. me they knew the reason for that, but I can't remember what it was. Maybe they're just don't the hens don't fly as much as the
2: drakes do, or something. I don't know. There must. There's got to be a reason. I would say important. maybe that in the duck world, maybe the hen is smarter than the drake. Well, now, that could be. Some <laughs> people may claim that in the human world. Huh. I will
1: say this. We've said this before, but just in case you don't know, because there's a lot of non-duck hunters. Drakes in the duck world are the more beautiful and good. they're trying to impress the, the The hens are typically drab.
0: Yep. And
1: oh, it's
2: camouflaged because the, while they're nesting, they're vulnerable. Right, exactly. Those so products. it has a lot to do
1: with reproduction and all that. I don't know, but it probably
2: does. attraction
1: too, wouldn't you think? I mean,
2: I think it's all about keeping them camouflaged during the nesting process, okay, which is why they're sense. brown. They're always cut, they look like the grass that they're raising in. Okay. And the drakes
1: will always had the most. Nesting
0: hollow trees.
1: That they can fly into very fast. Wide open.
2: I'll tell you another fascinating thing that you have to wrap your head around. In the duck world, the females do all the talking. Correct. The Drake says one thing. (sharp) Yeah, or even the Woody Drake makes a little... That's right. Not very loud. Yep. But when he does speak, he wants everybody to stop what they're doing and notice. (laughs) Notice him. That's right. So make your necessary... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> evaluations and
1: applications you could you can make a lot of uh, human applications so dad i've had this week i had two different people email me so i'm gonna ask you all this question since we've kind of opened with this hunting um about blue's uh progeny because we mentioned on the podcast before that blue uh, who has now gone on to wherever dogs go and um this last year, and he had already been retired a couple of years. He was up in Colorado uh, with Burley,
0: and uh, but he had there a couple of puppies, yeah. and now they're and, and the one that's currently being trained. All of last year, he's about a year old. Mm-hmm. So the dog. His name tra- is Deuce. The dog trainer said he is a dog, a good one, and he said he said I named him Deuce. Yeah, because he's Deuce blue too. too. Deuce and blue. So, Deuce. Now, is he
1: a black or a yellow? Because I noticed that. He's, he's a black. The female is a yellow.
0: Yep.
2: She's a Sounds yellow. Like, Phil, you may have some attachment issues. I've noticed that you keep naming dogs the same name as the ones that passed on before. <laughs> yeah, like Bobo. That's
0: being appreciated, the appreciation of their past exploits. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's true. And the older you get, you may just think. Now, the females— Maybe that is the answer to the question that everyone is thinking right now, because we're talking about the afterlife. So, Jace, the— Do do dogs go to heaven? Well, that's right. The movie says all dogs go to heaven. Well, they do on Earth, because Phil just takes them, and they look the same, and names them the same thing. So, actually, they live on. Always have him. Always have him. We got
0: Bobo. He's about number five.
1: Yeah, he's about the
0: fifth one. But,
1: but Bobo lives on. He lives on. Uh, the female child, uh, ch- child, the female dog of Blue. They named Yappy, Yappy, Yappy. Hmm. I guess well, that's gonna be hard to you yeah, know. I, I know when he told well, me what that, you I was, do how is, do you
2: call a Yappy, Yappy, Yappy? That's when the duck. you know, these these dog trainers. Oh, <laughs> they, you know, they they come up with these systems on how to train a dog. And one of the things they do that I don't like is, and I'll share with you one thing that made Blue better than most retrievers I've seen, is they they teach them when you shoot that they're not supposed to break. Because what if you miss? They don't want their dog out there. But really, if you think about it, what made Blue so good is he was watching. Yeah. Now, train a dog to do that, and you got something. But that that dog, nobody trained him to do that. He was smart. Yeah. And, and he liked to hunt. Well, he just kind of figured it out. He liked it. He, yeah. got,
1: he got excited, which is
2: why he was always- What I loved about that dog is when, you know, he, now what I hated about him is he had terrible manners, and he whined and all that. But I loved it where every once in a while I'd hear a growl, and I'd look up, and there were some ducks. You know. <laughs> He was letting you know. They're here. They're here. Of course, then he gets so excited, he starts whining. And now we're having to blow duck calls to cover up his noise. Because <laughs> it's not natural in the world of animals to have a dog howling at, at the duck. He's not coming in. Because he's like, there's a dog down there wanting to eat me. <laughs> <laughs> he's a predator. Yeah. <laughs> so I find that fascinating because that dog... And, and even if he would jump out, he'd come right back because he didn't. He was always watching. But that's why I've seen him. I would see him like a duck would fall way off. Well, you didn't have to tell him
0: back, or he, he saw did. the duck fail. That's why he had such long reach. Yeah, he saw the duck. He went and got him. Uh, that that means if he sees him go down at a quarter of a mile, a dot, we would drive around there roughly where the duck fell, turn him out of the truck. I said, hunt him up, Blue, and he'd take off Uh, many a time. He'd come back with the duck. Sometimes the duck was dead. Sometimes he was crippled. had a broke wing or something. But he'd bring him to you and jump in the back of the vehicle. We'd go on.
1: So the the, uh, progeny of Blue are not old enough to hunt yet. The question I got was, why haven't the guys been talking about them
0: hunting? And I didn't know. Blue is passed on to the uh, heavenly ram, <laughs> Okay. I think the Almighty probably work him in. The dogs are unique.
2: Well, uh, that brings up a good segue. Yeah. So in First John 3, to catch up with what we talked about last time, the, the afterlife compared to putting all your hopes and dreams in artificial intelligence. Because what's interesting about artificial intelligence, do you know what the biggest fear now is about artificial intelligence? Do you all know this? What is that, the biggest fear? That they're going to weed us out. Yeah, that they're going to destroy us. Yeah. By creating artificial intelligence, people are going to use it in a way that we will destroy ourselves. Right. Because they'll get so smart that then they'll take us out. What is my point? Another reason to put your faith and trust in the only human that beat the grave. mm well, we just got an answer for everything. It, you just keep tearing them up, and we're going to knock them out of the park. Jesus looks way better now that we have that fear floating around. <laughs> That's true. That's called AI anxiety. AI
0: anxiety. It is stops at intelligence. Not, not any words added that. Well, they call them something intelligence. Artificial. Artificial, not Jesus. Right. Yeah,
1: that's why we want real intelligence.
0: That's the artificial.
1: And what what's pretty amazing because it really doesn't take deep intelligence, according to Paul, and was it First Corinthians one, to have faith. That's right. I mean, you don't have to be the smartest person in the world. No. To understand that Jesus can help you beat the grave, but it makes you one of the smartest people in the world because you got some really high IQ types yep.
2: that can't embrace it. That's why I'm proud to say I'm not very smart, but I did go to Bible school. <laughs> that's right. And I met <laughs> I met a person named Jesus and boy, he really makes you look smart.
1: Yep, yeah, that's exactly right.
2: Because what other situation or what other knowledge of someone could you have where no matter what comes up, you have you have a solution. Just mean, think about that. I mean no matter what anybody any to say, any topic, and they're like, Well, If you only knew what I went through, I've heard that a thousand times. I'm going to say, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, I got the solution. Then they tell me, they say, have you ever heard that before? I was like, nope, never heard it before. But guess what? I know the solution is. (laughs) That's true. It's true every time. It does. Try to come up with something. Any
1: life question. And it's really amazing because, Dad, you said it in the last podcast that it is written. The Bible still speaks a living, breathing document, which makes it different from any other book that's ever been written.
2: That well, because it's about a person. Yeah.
1: It's a love letter. And the one who wrote it, now the spirit of the one who wrote it through people, through men, now lives in you. Yeah. So about so 2,000 years later you can still understand
2: it. It's still relevant. So I made a point during the bonus time about, which probably it'll bother some people, but y'all you know, went through First Thessalonians 4, and the point being that we're going to be with the Lord forever. He's coming back, and we're going to be with him forever. And I made a point that I don't believe he's very far from us now. It, it, that, I think that's what caused a lot of problems in our society when people started saying, I think the phrase uh, in the Bible for people who believe this was Epicureans, which, by the way, Thomas Jefferson was an Epicurean. He believed in God. But he believed he was a million miles away and he didn't necessarily, you know, yeah. venture into the fair affairs of people. That was his job. Yeah. You know? The modern word was a deist. They
1: yeah. believed in a deity, but they didn't believe he had any interaction with us. And this went back to the Sadducees. That's what they believed as well. Well,
2: right. And so I believe that when, you know, Acts seventeen, which when Paul said, I'm gonna to explain to you the unknown God, one of the points that he made To back up my point, because I think people think, oh, man, when's Jesus going to get here? I guess it's a long way to heaven. No, I don't think you're looking at this right. Uh, He created the heavens and the earth. But when he said the God in verse 24, explaining the unknown God, which is Acts 17, 23, because they were worshiping an an inscription on an altar that said, to an unknown God, and he said, what you worship as unknown, I am going to explain it to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth, and remember that in being under Roman rule, for him to say that means, which is what we talked about a couple podcasts ago when he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, which is this image, he had put his image on a coin you know, should I pay taxes? Right. Yeah. Give, give, give him his coins, but you give to God what is God's, and we're made in the image of God. So what was he saying? You give him your life and everything that involves. So the thing about it, if
1: you were to make an image out of a coin that belonged to God, there would be a picture of us on every coin.
2: Right? Exactly. We're made in the image of God. So you can vote for whoever, but you give your allegiance to God. That's exactly. so right. He's Lord of heaven and earth. Look, and he doesn't live in temples built by hands. Well, doesn't this quite go along quite nicely with Look, chapter 19 we and 20? Right. We, we have become the holy temple of God. That's why Jesus was referring himself as the temple, and he was driving people out of what they said the only place where God dwelled, which was the Temple of Jerusalem, which also explains why the Temple of Jerusalem has never been rebuilt, in my opinion. I agree. Jesus fulfilled this. It's where God and people interact. His name is Jesus. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life, breath, and everything else. You just figured out the origin of humans. Same thing he wrote in Colossians 1 that we read
1: in the last podcast.
2: Yeah, in the bonus time. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And people have a record scratch moment on that because they're like, wait, how did that happen? I don't know, but he did. Mm -hmm. To inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. So you being born was not an accident. Correct. So... God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Ooh, watch this next one. Though he is not far from each one of us. Mm. So if you think, oh man, it's taking Jesus forever, like he's way off oblivious to what's going on down there. He is in full knowledge, trust me, of everything that's going on, and he is near. He's near. He's not far from us. Yeah. So I just think that uh, that's how a lot of these false doctrines get built Mm -hmm. because they just think, well, I mean, well, why is this stuff happening? Well, let's read and you'll figure it out. Right. That's why we're here. That's why we, he gave us the Holy Spirit. We're to do the very things that he was doing. What did he do while he was on the earth? He battled evil, the spirits of evil and the demon possessions. He helped those who were afflicted with diseases and illnesses and leprosy and he helped those who were poor. He took up for those who had experienced injustice. He, the people that had uh, been cast out of society like tax collectors, and he had conversations with them, and he offered them hope. He talked about this new kingdom that he was bringing. He then proved himself to be worthy of what God had, had laid upon his son, which was our sins. And then he was resurrected, which was really the which where we're headed. And he gives a preview in what we're fixed to read. But that resurrection was the game changer. Yep. You can break down society as we know it from the beginning of time on when that happened. That was the pinnacle of anything happening on the earth is when he came back from the dead. So this idea about the closeness of God...
1: And his operating in the realm he's in with other beings too, by the way, angels, other things. It's interesting because in the in the overtime segment I I was talking about the Marvel movies and how they've tried to recapture some of what we're reading in the text. And but you know, Jace, thirty years ago, and when I I was a Star Trek fan, was Star Trek, not the old old one, but the newer one with Picard and that group. So they had a group of people, I've mentioned them before on here. They were beings that were outside time and space. They were called the Q, and then they had this one actor that was kind of the representative of these people. This, this, or I don't know beings, but he could just pop in anytime he wanted to. Yeah. And they were monitoring everything that was going on with our timeline, and then they would just pop in and out. And but the it's, the show made them kind of like funny, like they were always just causing mischief and all this. But to to the point again, that was thirty years ago. People have been repeating what Jace just read that Paul talked about on Mars Hill, which, Dad, you and I were there 2,000 years ago. He was talking about this, that they're making science fiction TV shows
0: about it. I could see gold, silver, stone, all that stuff. Yeah, You just look out across there, it's just a field of statues. That's right.
1: And, I mean, and you remember, you looked up over your shoulder, Dad. And they, there was the, they rule the world. There was the Acropolis up above. Remember? Yeah. And so when he was talking about this, he's looking back over his shoulder, looking up at that.
0: I never will forget that because when I preached the gospel to him, people who had never laid eyes on me were crying. They were crying. Yeah, you quoted this passage. I quoted that, and they the all—they started crying, and yeah. then people got nervous. Yeah. Because they looked at you and they thought, who, who is this guy and what, what is he talking about? There were foreigners there. He set, so, he set a day when he would judge the world with justice by the man he's appointed. He's given, you say, what in the world? How could that happen? He has given He, he is given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Some of them, when they heard that about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered but others said we want to hear you some more on this subject. That's, right. that's a good word.
2: Yeah, sneer.
0: Yeah,
2: it's one of those words it's that it's sounds, like, are like, you sneering at the possibility of being raised
0: that's, imperishable? That's what they
2: were doing, and living forever. That's a good question to ask people. Yeah,
0: fast, are you are sneer? Fast forward, Rome, the Roman Empire, and look at the American Empire. Not much difference now. That, uh, no, very
2: similar. That's So, very similar. I want to say this because we 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 made this bold statement that no matter what you come up with, Jesus addresses. So I want to read something, and then we'll get to our text. Yep. We're just getting you ready for it because this is so awesome. But in First John three, which I made a bit huge point about, Jesus's point, I believe, in this illustration in Luke with the Sadducees who didn't believe there was a resurrection Correct. is that what we do in our modern churches, and I think I made this on the bonus time last podcast, but I want to repeat it. Cause I think it's profound. A lot of people in our churches today, they preach the wrath of God. And they talk about hell and they talk about the afterlife to try to get people to have a relationship with God. And what Jesus does is by this, withering rebuke of the Sadducees, and it was a withering uh, rebuke. In, in Matthew's version of it, they come up with this scenario about, and we'll, we'll read it in a second, but when this woman, let's say a woman was married seven times, and I forgot the, the uh, I think it's in Deuteronomy 24, they called it a something marriage. Leverite. Uh, Leverite. I guess I means after from Levi. Levi. Yeah. Deuteronomy 25, five and six. I was close off the top of my head. I was off one chapter. So 25, Deuteronomy 25, because in their day, you know, women were not as uh, embraced as they are today. And so basically when her husband died, she couldn't, she couldn't, there was no means to support for herself. She didn't and, have a son, especially. She was just in yeah. bad shape. So yeah. one of her kinfolks would marry her. Now you know. I know that sounds kind of Jerry Springerish, like, <laughs> but that was the rule and that was the law and that's just what you did. That's right. So these Sadducees were trying to make this look stupid because you got to remember they didn't believe in the resurrection, right? So you have to keep that in mind. This is a stupid illustration based on something that was written in the law that we already find a little bit weird. Right. And they're because by doing that, they want to make Jesus look stupid. How are you going to answer this? Which we said, the bold statement we made is that no matter what you come up with, he's got to answer for it. And he did. They came up with a scenario. Well, what if a woman is married seven times? At the resurrection, who's she going to be married to? Slam dunk, drop the mic. What's he going to say? He has no answer for this. And so we'll read what his response was, and it is a doozy filled with power and glimpses of what the afterlife is going to be. Probably the most insightful passage
1: about the next life that we see. And it's
2: very deep and hard to get your head around because us as mere humans living on an earth, we're earthlings. It's hard for us to wrap our head around what's going to happen when our bodies are transformed from perishable to imperishable, mortal to immortal, dishonored to glorified. Glorified, that's 1 Corinthians 15. Weak to strong. It's hard for you to visualize that. Just like I made the point that when I was using Phil, because Phil's past has been made into a movie, It would be hard for you, if not impossible, for you to visualize the spiritual transformation that Christ did in your life before you were converted, before you heard of Jesus, before you encountered. You would have never imagined. That's right. So for us, if a guy is telling you exactly, he's like, now here's what's going to exactly happen when you get your new body. Well, this guy, if he knows exactly how it's going to happen and where we're going to go and exactly, well, he's... He's not telling the truth. That's right. But we just have visions of it. And I think it's because the Lord realizes they're never going to figure out all the details because how would you know that transformation? How can you know what you could know? So having said that, I wanted to answer two things that y'all just brought up that you think, well, how does Jesus have an answer for? Number one, we asked, "Do, do dogs go to heaven? They made a movie, Hollywood address that I didn't watch that movie because I couldn't get past the title <laughs> but I'm sure some people did and they're wondering that and number, this is number this two is like Al brought up movie. Star Trek another Hollywood venture mm-hmm. that had people beaming to places to and fro they would they'd say hey Scotty beam me up and I think a lot of people think just like what I said they preach, Wrath, the afterlife, so you'll have a relationship with Jesus. And I think Jesus's point is you get to know me and you'll know that you have eternal life, which is 1 John 5 13. It says that I write these things to you who believe in the name of Jesus, and by knowing, and and, and because you will know that you have eternal life. I kind of butchered that, but it says, I I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. When you encounter Jesus and you get to know him, you can know that you have eternal life. That's different from saying, get, you know, have a relationship with God based on the fact that I've scared you into the afterlife. It's different. So, but in 1 John 3, Watch what he says. This is very, very comforting. And this is how you can figure out some of the glimpses of what's going to happen in the afterlife. First John 3 and verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And that goes back to John 1. Jesus came to that which wasn't his own, but he gave us the right to become children of God through Jesus. Right. John chapter 1. And it says... And what we will be has not yet been made known. That's why I said that. We don't know exactly every detail of how this is going to be. But then he says this, but we know that when he appears or when he, when it is made known, when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And by the way, the practical application of that is everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. That's your motivation. Well, what was Jesus like post-resurrection? And it just so happened, y'all didn't know I was going to do this. But he addresses two of the things indirectly of what we brought up. You say, he he talked about do dogs go to heaven? No, but he did do this. In John chapter 20, he miraculously Post-resurrection, now, he's been raised. The empty tomb happened at the beginning of 20. And so in 21, they're fishing, and he says, hey, friends, in verse 5, have you caught any fish? No, the answer. No, they didn't know who he was at this point. He was just a guy on the bank. He was on the bank. You know, friends, have you any fish? Haven't you any fish? No. Well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find something. Now, this will sound familiar to him because there was he did the same thing pre resurrection. When they were did when they did they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Fast forward to verse 10 and he says, "Bring me some of the fish that you have just caught." Now you got to remember this is Jesus. He, he's come back from the dead. He has a new body. He has experienced what we're looking forward to experiencing. Well, Peter got the 153 fish, and Jesus said in verse 12, I love this, come and have breakfast. Come eat with a person who was dead three days ago. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to him, and did the same with the fish. This was now and there was other times though post-resurrection when Thomas didn't uh believe and he said, put your put your uh hand in my side. Yeah, hand in my side. Th- then he said something profane. He said, You got anything to eat? Now, so he's eating fish post-resurrection. So I know that whatever happens to our new bodies. If we want to eat some fish, because we're going to be like him, I just read it. First John three, sound like to me, you're more than welcome to. He did. Your your body will be able to. So are, will there be fish in the this new creation of heaven and earth for though There could be. I mean, he ate some. It seems
1: more likely than not, based on what happened in the forty day period, yeah. and so, Jesus had the ability days to. to make his body go back to the way it was maligned on the cross. True. And I'm assuming it didn't just stay like that. Like, then he could just make it completely whole. So he had the ability to recreate the spear in the side and the nail holes in the hands, in the wrists, yeah. and feet. Exactly. Upon command.
2: So you see my point, because my point is, that when I read First Thessalonians 4 and talked about the point of it being not so much being caught up in, together with Jesus in the air, which is people make that the point about yep. what they call the rapture. The point was you're going to be with the Lord forever. Correct. He said it twice. First Thessalonians 4, last verse, and then first Thessalonians 5, he doubles down and says the same thing. And he says it will motivate and change your life so much you will live a different way just knowing that. Exactly. And so I made the point in the bonus time that in Genesis, this whole thing started with God creating the heavens and the earth for us. And then he dwelled with them. Yep. Think temple like we have been referring to. God is intersecting with human beings. Now, when did it go dreadfully wrong? When when Adam and Eve sinned. It's the first sin. And we had a separation. And then in, Jesus is introduced in chapter 3 and verse 15. He will crush the evil one through your offspring. I mean, Jesus is coming. It starts off right through there. Fast forward to Revelation 21. And now you see this picture of the church coming out down from heaven and dwelling with God. You don't need any light. He'll be your light. There's no tears. Uh, There's no curse, all the things that that says. It's just crazy that when you talk about the temple where God is meeting people and then Jesus claiming to be the temple. And then he's given us post-resurrection the Holy Spirit for people to become the holy temple of God on the earth. It just seems crazy to me that people would think that somehow another heaven and earth is not going to be something where we can live again and know ourselves. And but we're just an imperishable version of our transformed power. Right. So just just to only think that we're going to go off and float around somewhere, and it, that just seems crazy to me. Here's Jesus post-resurrection having a meal, multiple meals, with various disciples. Remember the one at the table in, uh, in Luke that we'll read on the road to Emmaus? He broke b- bread, and then all of a sudden they recognized. He, he's having a meal with people as a resurrected person. right? But he's also, to go back, so there's the kind of, are dogs going to be in heaven? And in, in, in part of the new creation, you know, this new heaven and new earth? Might as well be. Fish Fish would be okay. So I, it looks like to me that would, I mean, animal, animals are animals. It's possible. So that's my answer. What about the beaming? Well, in chapter 20 of of John, in verse 19, this is post-resurrection. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, because Jesus has been crucified, so they're thinking, well, what if they crucify us next for following him? Jesus came and stood among them. Well, how would he get through the doors? They were locked. Now, that's real beaming there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's... He beamed without having to say, Scotty. <laughs> You know the 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 atoms and molecules have been broken down in his new world with his new body that he no longer needed a door or a, a unlocked.
1: It was done by either him becoming the same as the atoms in the door and then reappearing, the beaming as Jay's talked about on the other side, or he had dimensional control where he opened a door that we can't see to go through a door that we could see. And he pops out the other
2: side. So my point is the new heaven and new earth, whatever that is, you're, you're just going to have a lot more skill set. So that's why you only see images of it. Right. But the point is, the only
1: one we know that has happened to was that 40 days, that we get these glimpses of in the text.
2: Yeah. The point is real intelligence. The best thing you can do is not die. Is to live forever. And it seems like all the problems you have on earth have now been solved. I mean, who hadn't been frustrated when you lock your keys in your vehicle? Yeah. When the new heaven and new earth, it's not going to be a problem. You just pop right in there yourself. Pop right in there and... (laughs) That you
1: don't even need you don't even need the five anymore. You just go. That's what I'm saying.
2: People are like, oh, I can't relate. I'm just so scared. I don't know. No, we're gonna live (laughs) the way this was supposed to go. And so now with all that said, let's read Yeah, let's read the text. The the text and get I mean, we we spent two hours getting ready for this. (laughs) We've actually
1: done all the footwork on the front end. All right, we're in Luke twenty. Verse 27. And this is fresh off the... Paying taxes. Paying taxes. Yeah, it's, it's just to reset it. So remember we said he's sitting in the temple courts, and now he's teaching. And he's usually doing it with a... Que- they ask him a question, and he
2: asks them a question back, and then he then he calls them. And by the way, we didn't say this, but... And our job is to speak truth to power. Yep. That that these earthly powers. Yeah, that's. I mean, there's a whole book to the Romans, where Paul says, Jesus is Lord. That's right. How do you think the Romans felt about that? Yeah, (laughs) because they like being the gods of the earth. And he even addressed, like Jesus, about paying taxes. He did. He's like, go ahead and pay them. Romans Romans 13, 13. it's in there. But your allegiance is Jesus is Lord. We're we're not going to be stressed out about, who the president is that's when right. it comes to our relationship. And we're not going to be stressed out about that. And we're not going to be stressed out about when the Lord's coming back. And we're not going to be stressed out if they kill us for telling the powers yeah. to be like Jesus did. Because you can't kill us. When he was talking to Pilate that, hey, you know, my kingdom, it's not from here. It's for here. That's right. I mean, that's basically what he was telling That's what he said. So he's right. like, oh, you're a king? All right. So out of that conversation about Caesar, here's
1: what he says. He's still in the temple courts. Some of the Sadducees, and we've described them, what they believe, because they were different than the Pharisees, teachers of the law of the Sanhedrin, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. we got another question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now, that's the
2: levirate. Deuteronomy, that, Deuteronomy twenty-five. 25 five, if you want to go,
1: you make sure, dive into drink,
2: drink you a cup of coffee before you start reading Leviticus or Deuteronomy.
1: That's right. That's it's derail more Bible reading through the years. Well, they people. took the
2: old law and they want to make Jesus look stupid. And look, do people do that today? Yep. They want to make Jesus look stupid. And so that's and people what, who follow him. They want to make him look stupid. Which is to Jason's
1: point, he already Let you know. So now they're going to get crazy with this thing because th- what they've said so far is just out of Deuteronomy. Now, there were seven brothers. So now we're getting into the hypothetical in the question. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and then third married her. In the same way, the seven died, leaving no children, which think about the odds of that, that this would happen. So it's, it's already out there in crazy land. Finally, the woman died too. Now, here, now, here's the question. They don't believe in the resurrection. Now then, at the resurrection, which I'll put in parentheses, that we don't believe in whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? So in their minds, this crazy convoluted question was the showstopper. Mm-hmm. So here's Jesus' response to these guys. The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age, talking with the kingdom forward, whatever happens post-resurrection and in the resurrection from the dead Will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. He didn't say where they were angels, he said they were like the angels, meaning that they don't die. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now these were all people that had died before Moses, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living for to him, all are alive. If you're in him, right? Verse 39, some of the teachers of the law who did believe in the resurrection responded, well said teacher, we're with you. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. <laughs> so that ended the Q&A portion of this uh, crazy thing. Let's take our last part.
2: A few observations. Now, I like Luke's account better because I'm one because people immediately fast forward and they're like, forget the context. They just immediately go, well, that's disappointing. I'm not going to be married in heaven. Oh, Lisa
1: hated this text for 15 years. Now,
2: in Luke's account, you can make an argument what a lot of people do because he says the people of this age marry and are given in marriage, which would mean... When you think about it, you could make the point saying, well, you were already married. I mean, you're, yeah. you're not going to marry somebody else when you get there or right. give somebody in right. marriage. That's not going to happen. But what if you were already married? Now, look, I'm just going to say you're thinking way too low. Yeah. But I'm going to explain it. And and so then he says, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, for they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. So, if you read Matthew's version, though, which I think we do need to, because there's a couple things he says that can be confusing. So it's in Matthew 22. Yep. Uh, 23, the same day Sadducees, who say there's no resurrection, said, we've already read this part, and that's pretty well the same. So, skip to 28 at the resurrection whose wife will she be of the seven since all of them were married to her now I like I like this version here how it starts because Jesus replied you are in error (laughs) there's no sugar coating (laughs) yeah oh let me give the redneck translation of that wrong (laughs) you're an (laughs) idiot most of the time he doesn't do that no he doesn't he just wrong because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. And I like wow. this. I like Matthews a little better personally because he he identifies the problem with coming up with this argument. Because he already knows that they're just trying to make him look stupid right. for believing in the resurrection and afterlife. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Which uh, That does say the same. Yeah, They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? Which makes more sense when he said you don't know the scriptures. Yeah. And we'll talk about the power of God in a second. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So I'll say this. The thing that stands out to me is he uses their names. Yep. And the reason that he chose Exodus and the burning bush and Moses is because the Sadducees only believed in the first five books. That's right. So he picked one of those books and said, you don't know the scriptures of the power of God. Number one, we have a bush that's burning. That's not burning up. How's that happening? Which, if you can make that happen, what's death? And then he said, I am the God. Well, those guys died centuries ago. That's right. And he's
1: talking about them in the present tense.
2: And he wasn't saying a version of them. I am the God of them. Yep. Present tense. Well, just wrap your head around that. Right. That means if you have a relationship with God, that's forever. Well, it seems that way. (laughs) That's right. I am the God. And that's why when you go to Luke, when he said, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. Right. I mean, what an incredible statement here. You enter in a relationship with God, and that that's based on his love. That thing's forever. Right. And you're like, well, yeah, but what if you die? Well, that's his point. So I think I will say this before I get y'all's comments. Cause I think what bothers people, they're like, "Oh, there's no sex in heaven." Is that what you're saying, really? I mean, what a bummer. Well, think about sex on earth. Yeah. It was designed by God. It's awesome. It was designed for an a husband and a wife. He Jesus doubles down, double downs on that many places. Matthew yep. 19. Right. You know, for this reason, I made the male and female, and for this reason, a man be united to his wife; the two become one flesh. But then it says, for what God has joined together, let not man separate. And so here's what I think. I think, yes, we'll know my wife. Just like he named Abraham, Isaac, and I'm going to know my wife Mm -hmm. uh, in heaven. And I'm assuming that there's going to be no need for sex because at the end of the day, sex is the way the earth is populated. Correct. This is more of the ones who were populated, being populated with imperishable bodies altogether. It's not like we're going to start making celestial beings, or or you know, no need for that. Yeah. So I'm assuming that I will know my wife. She's my wife. But sex, it puts it in the proper light. Whatever we're going to be experiencing, way better than sex. That's just a temporary thing. That's why I think we are created what we we are. And it's like what you said, Phil, and I really had this idea based on what you said. Because at some point in your life, you said, you know, I thought about having sex with your mom, which was kind of an awkward conversation. <laughs> he said, but I noticed at some point, you know, we could just make some popcorn and sit on the couch. Yeah. Because that's what happens with age. It You you put it in its proper place. The body starts breaking down. And then all of a sudden, it was just not that. Well, think about our imperishable body. Think about our, us being with the Lord forever. Whatever's happening, way better than sex. That's it.
1: So to prove your point, if you think about it, Jesus came to earth. He was born. He was a little baby. He was a little boy. He was a teenager. He was what we would call college age. And he made it all the way to, he was 30 years old. He did three years of ministry and then he dies. Then he's resurrected. If sex was so great and such a big deal, why would he never experience it himself? I mean, he shows you that there are
2: larger things than that. So he didn't even experience marriage. But you said the important point in your sermon, when you figured out that you and your wife, Lisa, the brother and sister relationship in Christ. That's right. He
1: became Lord, and then we bonded in a unique way. And and you're exactly right. Now we're almost sixty, and we look back at it, the thirty year old version of ourselves, and we're thinking, man, we we miss so much. Well, you want sex or
0: popcorn? Popcorn.
1: Popcorn. but here's my point you know why I think because that's and that's what I think heaven will be I agree with you 100 percent you still have the relationship look your wife the one you spend 50 years with here on Earth or 60 in your case dad is is the person you're connected to at so many different levels of course you're going to be close to them in heaven why would you not be but you're not going to be the you're both going to be eternal beings now
2: here's a, here's a better way to say it my wife is my best friend as far as people that I can see but we're both married to Jesus. That's right. Because the church that's coming out of heaven in Revelation 21 is the, bride of, the bride of Christ. Well, who's the who's the groom? Jesus. Do you realize there'd be no single people in heaven? There'd be no divorced people. Nobody wants to talk about that. Yeah. You say, well, how do you know that? Because they're, they're married to Jesus. That's right. They're, that,
1: that's- they're not giving he's him. He's
2: making a. all this right. And And if somebody's over there driving down the road saying, oh, I'll know my wife, and she'll be my friend, but we can't have sex anymore. I think your faith needs to go deeper. That's right. Because <laughs> think
1: about it. How many <laughs> troubles in this life, and Dad, you said before, and Paul said it, when you marry, you, you you bring on many troubles, because how many troubles have been because of sex and because of marriage has gone wrong? Yep. I mean, that's a big struggle on a consistent basis. All right, so— we did, we did read the text, so give us we credit. We scratched
2: back. the hem of the garment. <laughs>
1: we did read it, and we talked about it a little bit, but we're out of time. So we're going to talk about it a little bit more in our overtime segment um, here during the holiday. This is New Year's now, I realize. So happy New Year to you. But uh, if you want to follow us in the overtime, it's uh, blazetv.com slash unashamed. We'll talk a little bit more about this marriage in heaven. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes,